Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're in part two of our series called Weird. Everybody say, that's weird. That's weird. We, we do that in life. We look at things and we're like, ah, it's kind of weird. We look at the way people look or dress or we see something weird in society or culture. Like, ah, it's kind of weird. I noticed that the older you get, the more you think is weird. Can I get, a, can I get an amen on that? Is that a what, what? Um, I feel like you do that because I feel like when you're young, you're flexible and you're willing to like embrace these new ideas. And then at some point you hit an age where you just jump off the bandwagons and you jump off the culture wagons or the dress wagons or whatever your wagon is. And then everything just becomes weird and you wish it was, you wish you lived in a bygone era. You wish you lived in the good old days. And so anyway, last week we talked about this idea that in life there, there's weird and sometimes there's good weird. Like, I believe in good weird. People, people that do kind of fun things that just kind of add the spice of life, that's good weird. We talked about that. There's bad weird. <laughs> we want to avoid that. That's just the creepy, icky weird. Don't be that person. Um, there's also a Christian weird. This is the Christian weird where we like, this is what I found is really, there's two kinds of Christian weird. It's where we take, I don't know if you've ever met, anybody ever met like a weird Christian let me help you real quick with weird Christians. So if you're, if you're from outside the church and weird Christians give you the heebie-jeebies, um, we're in the same boat. I think they're weird too. Here's what really happened. I'm going to set some of y'all free. What happened was, is before they met Jesus, they were weird. <laughs> then they met Jesus and then they blamed their weird on Jesus. Then people was weird before they met Jesus. Does that make sense? That, that's just, so I just, I hope that, so if you ever meet a weird Christian, just know they was weird before they met Jesus. That's just them. God bless them. Uh, but, but, but Jesus doesn't necessarily make you Christian weird, but, everybody say but, but there's a God kind of weird. And the God kind of weird is the weird that ends up separating you from what culture and the world would just say is normal. And every once in a while in life as a Christian, you're just kind of doing your thing, following the Jesus way. And people are going to look at what you do. Look at the way you make decisions. Look at the way you date. Look at the way that you do your finances. They're going to look at the way you treat time. They're going to look at the way that you do all kinds of little things. And be like, that's, that's kind of weird. And today we will talk about one of those things that I think is weird. Now, here's the deal. Back in the day, I used to work at a place called Blockbuster. <laughs> now, if you're underneath the age of 20, you don't know what a Blockbuster is. But how many of you know, like people of my generation... Blockbuster was awesome. Like you could go to Blockbuster and go get your VHS. Some of y'all, like if you're underneath the age of 30, you might not know what a VHS is. Anyway, but, but VHS was like a thing or, or just, and, and that's how you got movies, right? And so, because see, back in the day, they didn't have a hundred channels and a bunch of movie channels. So you were even limited because there just wasn't, you remember you had like three stations of ABC, NBC, and five, or you know, whatever. And, and then, you see, there just wasn't a lot. And so it was a cool thing. Like, hey, let's just go, we'll go rent a movie. We don't do that anymore because we have Netflix and we have On Demand and VHSs just don't exist anymore. And Blockbuster is a dinosaur, right? So all that to say, that's just to bring you 20-year-olds back to, to cultural relevance. That's where I was working. I was working at Blockbuster. And when I was a young man, it was one of the first times I had ever, as a Christian, decided to fast. And so I'm at work with my crazy, heathen, non-believing, non-church-going, wild buddy that I love so much. And, and then, like, we're hanging out, and I, I stopped doing certain things, and I didn't do this anymore. I wasn't eating this and whatever. And he was like, dude, you know, he's, like, trying to share stuff with me. I'm like, sorry, I can't. And I'm trying to be, like, discreet about it. He's like, dude, why not? And I'm like, oh, well, I'm fasting. And he was like, what? 
fasting? What is, what is fasting? And it was just the weirdest thing to him. Because if you didn't grow up going to church, or maybe if you didn't grow up even doing Lent, you know, depending on what church you grew up in, fasting is a weird, weird thing. But here's the deal. Fasting is an ancient discipline, a, a spiritual discipline from thousands and thousands of years ago. And it has been wrong around so long that back in the day, it would have been considered normal. So how many know like what normal is and what weird is, that's changed. So today, to tell somebody that you're fasting is kind of weird, but in a bygone era to tell somebody that you're fasting, that would have been completely normal. I'll prove it to you. I want you to go to Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to look at what Jesus said in this famous sermon. Jesus' most famous sermon called the Sermon on the Mount, he takes several verses to address this idea called fasting, and I want you to pay close attention to how he talks about it. Are you ready? Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 says this. When you fast, everybody say when. When you fast, don't look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men that they're fasting. And I'm telling you that they've already received their reward in full, but when you fast, everybody say when. But when you fast, this is how I want you to put some oil on your head, which is a cultural thing, and then wash your face so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen, and your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Let's talk about like a couple things here that are are just kind of popping out as I read this text. Number one is this, is I had you say the word when, because Jesus, notice this, he does not explain fasting, does he? He doesn't take the time to say, everybody, I'm going to introduce something new to you. You've never heard of this before. It's crazy. But you're going to abstain from food, have water only for a period of time, and focus and seek God. He didn't do that. He didn't define it. He didn't explain it. He didn't give terms. He didn't give lit. He just, he just throws out this idea. And he says, when you fast. Now, how many know when somebody says, when you fast, what's the assumption that they're, they're making? You're going to do it. So to them, it was a completely normal thing. And it's something that even in Christianity has been lost. It's this ancient spiritual discipline that was a really big deal to them. Lots of people did it on a regular basis. And then all of a sudden, we're living in an era of Christianity where like, Nobody really does it. As a matter of fact, when you look at Christianity today, we are just as likely to indulge in all the things of the world that anybody else would, and now there's no differentiation between us and everybody else. And Jesus makes this bold assumption, when you fast, meaning everybody who follows me, everybody who's connected to God, they're going to do this. And it's an automatic assumption of life. So when you do it, and here's, here's what he gets into teaching. What he gets into teaching is, is when you fast, don't do it for show. Like, don't make a big deal of it. Don't be the person that tries to be pious and holy and, oh, yes, look at me. I've been fasting for 50 days. I've really been seeking God lately. I'm very spiritual. You're just annoying is what Jesus says. And in essence, you got your reward. Because what you wanted was for everybody to look at you and think you're really holy and spiritual and super duper whatever. He said, so don't do that. But here, now last, last point from what Jesus said. When you fast, meaning there's an assumption that you're going to do it, don't do it for show. But he says this, he says, your father who is unseen, when he sees what you do in secret, he will, everybody say reward. 
So here's the deal. Fasting, and this is, so let's, let's get in. I'll, I'll help define it for you people that may not know and didn't grow up in church, and it's not, not common. I totally get that. For me who grew up in church, this still wasn't common. But fasting is abstaining from something for the purpose of focusing on God. That's what fasting is. Now, here's the deal. When we talk about fasting here at New Beginnings in our church, we'll, we'll go for 21 days. And I'm not saying you need to go 21 days and have water only and no food. You might die. That's not what I'm saying. So if you walk out of here and you die, I don't want your family to sue me in our Sue Happy culture. So fasting is for us a 21-day period of giving, praying, and fasting, mixing it all together. A, A fast the way that they thought about it was primarily them abstaining from food and doing water only for maybe a a 24-hour period of time. There are people in the Bible that did three-day fast. There are Moses. I don't know how he did it. And and, and people have actually done this. Modern people have done this. They'll fast for 40 days. Moses fasted for 40 days. Jesus fasted for 40 days. You don't do that, you'll die. Okay? Unless God speaks to you with an audible voice, shows up, sends you an email, a memo, writes it on a post-it note, don't you do it, okay? And even then I'd question, you know, just, just, I'm just kidding. But, but my point is, is that, is that for us, this, this 21 day period is about praying, giving, and fasting. And what we notice is that when we read the Bible, there's personal fast that you do privately. And you just kind of do it on your own. You don't tell anybody. But also in the Bible, there are these things called corporate fasts where an entire nation, entire people group would all gather and say, hey guys, we need God's help. We are all going to pray and fast and seek God because we need God's help. And so that's a corporate fast where a group is doing it together. That's what we're doing. And then also there are people in the Bible who did partial fast. Again, there wasn't a set time period. 21 days is just a good period of time in the Bible that a few people did it. Like, for instance, there's this one guy named Daniel who does what we call a partial fast or even what some people call a Daniel's diet. And what he did was, is for 21 days, he basically restricted everything down to a hyper-vegan diet. It was no sugar, nothing sweet, nothing processed. It would have been fruits, vegetables, and whole grains only for 21 days. And this is what he did. And so anyway, you have this. And here's what I always tell you too. Not only that, we live in a society that probably needs to fast certain things that the people in the Bible never had to consider. Like some of you people are TV junkies, social media junkies. You're you're addicted to your phones. You're addicted to your technology. You have issues that I don't want to take time to address right now. But you are so committed to, connected to, addicted to certain things in your life. And the best thing that you can do is say, you know what, God, for 21 days, I need to cut that out of my life. I realize that that thing has become something that's too big in my life, too much of a big deal. I'm addicted to it. I can't get away from it. And so, God, for 21 days, I'm going to cut it out of my life. And I would just call this some type of like a personal fast, some type of of, of thing that you choose to do personally for you. Because, you know, there's a thing in your life that has too much control and too much power. And so this is the idea of fasting. And what Jesus said is this, is that ultimately fasting is a private discipline that brings public reward. Like he he goes on to say, like God wants to reward you. And when God sees what you've done in secret, God is going to reward you. Now, here's something else that I've discovered as I looked at all the great men and women of the Bible that fasted. That they did not fast randomly, but their fasting had focus. Like they had a, a thought, they had an idea, they had a target When they began to fast, they actually knew they needed something or wanted something or needed to seek God for something. And here's what I've done. I decided just to take my favorite stories from the Bible and kind of run through because what I want you to see is this, is that God wants to do something great in your life. God wants to reward you with something, but he's asking you to do something to trigger that. And it's this thing called fasting. 
And throughout the Bible, there's all these incredible rewards that God begins to bring. Are you ready? I'm going to give you eight. Now, here's when you say, when I say something like eight, everybody gets nervous. You start looking at your clock and you're like, oh, dear God, this guy's going to preach forever. I'm not. This is, this is, I'm a, what we call a shotgun sermon. It's where I throw out like a, a bunch, like buckshot, just spread everywhere. And you ain't going to get them all. I hope you just get one or two. Because I want you to find the one that matches what's in your heart and your needs and your circumstances. And so I want you to flow with me today. And as we go through these big moments in people's lives where they were fasting and God brought great reward, I want you to be asking yourself this, Holy Spirit, what is it that you want to do in me? What is it that I need? How, God, can I seek you and have you bring something great into my life? Everybody say, okay. Are you ready? Shotgun. Here we go. Number one is this. There is something in the Bible, and I'll just call it the disciples fast, that the disciples fasted. So Jesus was hanging out with disciples, and he was having this moment where the disciples were talking to people, ministering to people, and praying with people. And there's this time where they pray for this guy and his son, and his son's got all these issues and problems, and they're like, we can't help this kid. He's like demon-possessed. It's crazy. He's throwing himself into the fire. It's weird. God, or Jesus, what, what can we do to help this kid? We've been praying for him, but nothing is happening. Now, how many know that's frustrating in life? When you want God to help, you want God's power, you want God's deliverance, you want it for your kids, you want it for your loved ones. Sometimes you just, I am selfish and I want it for me. I need some breakthrough in my life and I can't get it. And then Jesus says these really profound words to the disciples. He says, you might be able to help them some of the time, but this one right here is a big deal and this issue is only going to be resolved through prayer and, everybody say fasting. Yeah, so it was like, he was like, hey, look, sometimes in life, your prayers are not enough. That's what he was in essence saying. Sometimes just praying about it is not the answer. You need to take an even more weird or radical step, and I want you to begin to fast. And here's, here's my real takeaway. I don't think what you want to do in life, and I think this is what Jesus is saying, I don't think you want to wait until disaster hits, until something overwhelms you, something overpowers you, there's something that you can't shake out of your life, and then you go decide... Well, I guess I need to go pray and fast. What I really think Jesus is saying is this. We ought to live a life of prayer and fasting so that we are always prepared and always ready for no matter what circumstance hits our life, we are always ready to tackle even the biggest and the greatest issues. And so my point is this, is that fasting brings deliverance, that there was something in this kid's life that they couldn't break and that father couldn't break and everybody was trying and everybody was praying. And Jesus said, this one only comes out through prayer and fasting. And if you want real deliverance, because here's what I know about you, because I know it's true of me. There's sometimes in life where I just wanted to like get over that thing. There's sometimes in life I wanted to break that sin off my life. There were sometimes in my life I wanted to stop battling that bad habit, that addiction, that thing. I just so, I just, you get to a point where you're even beating yourself up. Like, why can't I beat this thing? Why can't I get over this thing? And you keep beating yourself up. Can I just encourage you, if you really want deliverance in that area of your life, there's sometimes it's only going to break through prayer and fasting. If there is a thing in your life that you want broken off of you, what I would love to see you do is for the next 21 days is dedicate this fast to that thing. And say, God, I need a big reward. I need a big breakthrough. And as I fast, God, I'm trying to fast to break this thing off of my life. Somebody say, all right. Number two is this. It's, it's what I'll call the Ezra fast. I just named him based on who did it, basically. It's not very clever. Um, 
<laughs> There's an Ezra fast. Now, if, if you don't know the Bible, Ezra is one of those books of the Bible that's kind of tucked in the middle and you, it's hard to find and you're never going to read it normally on your own unless you're one of those people that's like, you ever do that thing where you're like, Lord, help me, guide me, and you're just thumbing and fanning and you're like, you do that and then you end up with some weird section of begats, begat this guy and this guy begat that guy or then, and then all of a sudden he ate that and killed that and you're like, this is not helpful. You're probably not going to find Ezra unless you do that and I don't recommend you do that. So, There's a table of contents if you want to find Ezra. It's probably the best way to do that. Ezra is this guy in the Bible who who leads God's people from Babylon back to Israel. So there's a period in their history where they were enslaved, taken away to a foreign land. But eventually the king lets them go and says, I want you to go back to your homeland. I want you to rebuild the temple and rebuild the walls and rebuild your land. And so they all start going back. Here's the deal, though. They had acquired a ton of wealth and resources and family. And so when they go back, Ezra's sitting here saying, and there's a funny conversation that he has with himself. He's like, all right, look, I told the king that God was with us and was going to help and protect us. But I know on the road home, there are thieves and robbers and all kinds of people that are willing to like steal and rob us. Because they had this huge amount of wealth that they had been given to help rebuild the temple and to rebuild the walls. Are you following me so far here? And so what he does is he goes, we, we've got a big journey. We've got a big task before us. We've got these big kind of issues that are, that are before us. And so he makes the whole group, this entire group of people that are traveling back to Israel, he goes, we're all going to pray and we're all going to fast. And in essence, this is what I'm trying to get at, is that fasting brings great solutions to great problems. And this one was in particular in like the financial realm. They were thinking about all the gold because they go through and list how much gold and silver. Listen to this. They had 25 tons of silver, 100 silver articles that weighed 150 pounds. This was the stuff, some of the stuff that went in the temple. And they had 7,500 pounds of gold. Now, how many know you don't want to get jacked that day? You know what I'm talking about? Like, if you're ever the person that like was the manager that had to take the bank or take the, the bank thing to the money at the end of the day, you're like... This is not the day where you want to have 7,500 pounds of gold as you walk to the bank up up the tenderloin. That's not the day. That's not the day you want. And that's what Ezra's looking at. He's like, we got to go by bands and thieves and robbers and all kinds of crazy people. And we're sitting on all this. this way. And, and, and the Bible says something really interesting. Jesus actually describes Satan as a thief and a robber. He says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and life to the fullest. I want you to know that there's, there are things in life that try to rob from you and steal from you and, or even financially attack you. If you've ever been like, just, just think about it in a normal way. There are seasons of life where you felt like, God, I just can't get any breakthrough financially. This broke, and then this happened, and this bill came, and then the IRS called me, and then all of a sudden, and you feel like everybody's trying to hit me up, or all these financial pressures are coming against me. I just want you to know that some things break through prayer and fasting, and Ezra decided, I'm going to fast, because fasting brings great solutions to great problems. Number three is this, we'll keep going. Number three, again, it's not clever, it's the Samuel fast. Why? Because it was Samuel. Um, I don't know. I, didn't, I, I literally thought through. I don't know how to name these any other better way. I almost feel like it's a little bit of a letdown of a sermon. Um, it's the Samuel fast. Let me, let, me, let me give you this one again. I'm going to move quickly here. The, the Samuel was a prophet, and he was a prophet during a time period where the, the priest was evil. 
the priest was terrible and his kids were worse than him. And the stuff that he, they were doing in the temple, I, I, it would make us all blush. It would make a drunk sailor blush if I told you what they were doing. So it was this, this time period of incredible corruption. And during this corruption, the prophet Samuel comes up and says, look, something's got to change. Our nation is corrupt. The temple is corrupt. Everything had gotten so bad that the centerpiece of the temple, and even the nation at that point in time, was something called the Ark of the Covenant. Y'all remember Indiana Jones? Remember the box that kills everybody at the end of the movie? Spoiler alert, if you've never seen Indiana Jones, I'm sorry. Remember the art? But that was like a big, that's a, that's a real thing, by the way. That was a real box. Um, I don't think it worked like Indiana Jones made it work. That's a movie, that's Spielberg. But, but there was a real box, though. And in this real box, it was a special and important thing. And for them, what it was, was it was just kind of symbolic to them that when the box was with them, God's presence and power was with them as well. The box had been stolen. The Philistines came in and ransacked the place. And so you've got moral corruption, national corruption, you had temple corruption, and they stole the God box. Everything is bad. And Samuel rises up within this generation. He's like, that's it. We're going to pray. And we're going to fast. And they were fasting for this national revival. And here's how I kind of wrote it. Is that fasting brings a spiritual awakening. If you've ever felt like, hey, I I know I kind of believe in God. But like, God, I see people worship and I don't feel that. And I know people read their Bible and I don't have any desire to do that. And I know I believe in God. But I want something more. I'm telling you that fasting can kind of open up your heart. Open up your mind. And create that spiritual awakening that you really, really want. Number next is this. It's four. I have these numbered in my notes. Number four is this. It's the Elijah fast. The Elijah fast was this. The Elijah fast was he was depressed. He had just gone through this situation where people were attacking him. People were threatening his life. He was tired. He was worn out. He had lost a few battles and things weren't going good. And he was in a state of literal depression. And God said, you're going to go on a journey. I'm going to give you one last meal. And then you're going to go on a journey. And he fasted for like like 40 days. It was crazy. But I'm telling you, for him, fasting broke this depression off of his life. And I just want you to know that that's what this fast does, is that fasting breaks negative emotions and feelings. If you, if you are going through a season of life where you're like, man, it's just weighing on me, and I, I seem to be in a mood, and I seem to be in this constant state of depression, I'm telling you, fasting can break that off of your life. Again, the reason why I'm giving all these is because I want you to target your fasting. I want you to think, God, what kind of reward, what kind of breakthrough do I need, and how is fasting going to help me trigger that and draw closer to you? Number five is this, it's the St. Paul fast. The St. Paul fast is real simple. For those of you who are in a fork in the road, you ever been here in life? You're like, I don't know what to do next. I can go here or I can go here. I can take this job, I can take that job. I can move to this city or move to that city. I can, and, and there's all these decisions. I don't, I've been dating for a while, but I don't know if I want to be with him or don't want to be with her. And I'm not sure if I want to do, you're at a crossroads of life. Or just simply, God, what is your will for my life? I don't know what to do. And what you'll find is this, is that the apostle Paul, From the moment he became a Christian, day one, he started fasting. And then regularly through the book of Acts, anytime they needed to make a decision, anytime they figured out, needed to figure out where do I go, which city are we traveling to, they were always praying and, everybody say fasting. And fasting is in essence this. Fasting brings clarity to God's plan for your life. If you were ever wondering, what do I do next? I don't know which step to take. It's time to target you're fasting. Number six is this. It's what we call the Daniel's fast. The Daniel's fast is a literal diet. You can go read it. It's in the book of Daniel. And the book, of, I, I described this earlier, that literally what it is, is, is it's meat, 
If there's no meat, there's no sweet, there's nothing processed. It is fruits, vegetables, and whole grains, and that is it. And the story is, is that for 21 days, he said, I'll take this diet. You have all the other men in the king's palace. You have them eat whatever they want. And at the end of it, I will be healthier. For those of you out there who ever struggle with kind of chronic sickness, chronic illness, pain, all this stuff, got inflammation, you got all that. I'm telling you, I've been doing this 21-day Daniels thing for years. And every time I do it, you get a cleanse, you get a toxic dump, you get a free from, you, you, all of a sudden your body's feeling better, you sleep better at night, you get off of some of these addictions to sugar and caffeine that you have. I'm telling you that there is, and, and this is the Daniels fast, is that the Daniels fast brings health and healing. I believe that. I think it's just a way to say, God, I'm going to fast and I'm going to do these things so that I can actually become healthier. And if you're out there and you say, I'm always sick, I'm always battling these things, I've always got these chronic deals, I'm telling you for 21 days, I'd be on this thing. And we've done this for years. And even then, we still mix in water-only fasting or we mix in our personal fast, like or no doing no TV or different things like that. And that's how we target our fasting. Number seven is this, and I'm almost done. This is the John the Baptist fast. John the Baptist, now let me tell you about John the Baptist real quick here. John the Baptist, this is what Jesus said about him. So I'm not saying this. This is what Jesus said. Jesus said he was the greatest man who ever lived. John the Baptist literally went out into the wilderness. Now, let me just help you out quick. It's hard to do church in California. Because like 2% of the population wants to go to church anyway. So like 2% of the population wants to go. It's hard to build a great church in California because the tons of people don't go to church. Like I have buddies that are in the Southeast and the Midwest and all of a sudden they're like, yeah, I went to church. We just showed up and a thousand people were there. You know, these dumb stories like that. I'm like, yeah, yeah, thanks. Um, come, to, come to California, please. Um, I, want you, I want you to see what this guy did. This guy didn't have a sound system. He didn't have a great worship team. He did not have clever videos. He did not have any of this stuff. You know who he was? He kind of looked funny. He kind of dressed funny, but he went out into the desert. Because no, look, nobody wants to go to church in the desert, right? We want AC. That's what we really want. We want controlled climate. That's what we want. He went out into the desert, looked funny, dressed funny, fasted like crazy, and began to preach. And thousands of people just kept showing up in the desert. It's worse than California. It's the desert. No sound system, no, no mic, no clever, no nothing, no music, none of those things. And thousands of people showed up. And what I want to say is this, is that if you ever wanted to elevate in life, if you were looking to like, God, I want to jump ahead with this business idea. I want to start my own business. I'm looking for that promotion. I've been applying. I've been trying to move up. I've been trying to do these things. Can I just tell you that fasting brings greater influence? For John the Baptist, you can target the fact that he was a guy who was always about prayer and fasting. And Jesus said he was the most or the greatest man who ever lived. And his influence was incredible. He captured the attention of the entire nation. I'll prove it to you. The religious people didn't know what to do with him. The people loved him. The, the rulers were so afraid of him that they imprisoned him because they knew of the influence that God had given him. And they knew that his influence was going to keep growing and be so great that if they didn't imprison him, that eventually the people would choose John the Baptist over King Herod. So King Herod put him in jail and eventually cut his head off. So maybe you shouldn't do this fast. I just thought of that. So if you want that level of influence, pray about that. But I do believe that fasting brings influence. I just, I just believe that. That's number seven. Last. Everybody say last one. 
if you're taking medicine. It's 1056. I'm perfect on time. This is what we call the Esther fast. The Esther fast. Let's, let's get into this real quick here. This is a story. If you don't, I, I need to teach through this story of the Bible. It is fascinating. They're living up in Babylon. They're living in a foreign land. And while they're out in this foreign land, there's, there's this king. And he's a Persian king. Doesn't really care much about the Jewish people. He's the king. Believe it or not, if you've ever seen the movie 300, I mean, don't get me wrong, that's a movie. But the king of Persia, that's who Esther was married to. Now, we don't know if that was, his, if that was him or if that was his grandson, but King Xerxes, the king of Persia, is, if, is, this is all historical. This is not like, this is not fantasy camp, okay? This was real stuff, historical stuff. This really happened. And Esther was, but here, here's what really happened, is that the king had a wife that was crazy. And so he kicked her out of the kingdom. And when he kicked her out, he said, we need a new queen. So you know what they did? They did like a big, giant um, bachelorette competition. How many of y'all like the bachelorette? Yeah, don't raise your hand. We will judge. Okay, we will judge. Just keep it to yourself. Guilty pleasure. You should fast that for 21 days, by the way. But they have this big, huge, this big, huge beauty competition. And literally, Esther's the lone Jewish girl in the beauty competition, and she wins. Well, as the story keeps going, basically there's the right hand of the king, the guy that's second in command. He hates the Jewish people. And so he manipulates eventually circumstances to where he's like, hey, let's just eradicate all these people. Let's just get rid of all. Let's kill them all. So let's do a decree and do a thing and then we'll just wipe them out of the empire. We'll kill all of them. And this plot and conspiracy becomes known to Esther. And Esther is faced with this decision of, oh my gosh, I need to go before the king But if I go before the king and he doesn't summon me and and the other guy gets mad at me, they will kill me. And literally what happens in the book of Esther is this. Esther 4 verse 16 says this. She says, go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days or nights. I and my attendants will fast just like you. And when this is done, I will go to the king. Even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. This is where that famous statement comes that you may have been born for such a time as this. This is the conversation Esther has. Like, I got to go. Now, if it doesn't go my way, they're going to kill me. But if I don't try, they're going to try to kill every Jew in the entire empire. I've got to try. And this is the Esther fast is that fasting brings protection is that for them, she needed protection for her. She needed God to to bring protection to the entire land for all the Jewish people. And she goes, I'm going to risk it all. But before I risk it all, I'm not going to jump into that situation just completely just wild. And and, and I'm going to fast first. I'm going to pray first. I'm going to have God's hand of protection on me before I go do anything. So I don't know what your life is like. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what your circumstances are in life. I don't know. But my guess is, is because I know life, that there's some of you in here right now that you desperately need some protection over your life and over your family and over your kids because of where they're at and what they're going through. I know for some of you, you're looking for greater influence because you believe God called you to do great things and you need God to influence you to get up to that next level. For some of you, you need direction on what to do next because you need to know God's will. For others, you just need breakthrough and to, to break out of that sin or to get out of that habit or addiction. I don't know what your situation is, but I know this, is that Jesus said, when you fast, I will bring the reward. That when you fast and you seek me, that certain things in life, they're not gonna break unless you pray and you fast. And I know it's weird. Because when you start telling people 
Why you're not doing that or why you're not eating that or why you're not doing whatever. If you have to get into a conversation, some people are going to think that you're just a little weird. But here's, here's my argument. I don't think normal's working. The way everybody else is doing it doesn't seem to work. <laughs> And if you want, if you just want a normal life like everybody else is that's, that's a bit jacked up and a bit dysfunctional and just kind of making ends meet or just getting by or bound by their addiction, if you want what normal people want, then just keep doing what normal people do. But if, but if you want something different, if you want something extraordinary, if you want some breakthrough, if you want something different, I would say if you want what just a few people have in life, you'll have to do what few people do. And here's what I notice when I look at the Bible, and I'll close with this, is that the great men and women of the Bible were fasting. The people of our culture are indulging. I'm going to choose to fast. Let's be a little bit weird. Will you pray with me today? Father, we thank you that you want to reward us, that you want us to see us with clarity and breakthrough and protection. God, you, you want to see us thrive. And so, God, you have invited us in, and today we say yes. And God, as a church, we say yes. And for 21 days, God, we will pray. We will fast. We will even give. We'll go above and beyond because, God, we want your great reward. We want your breakthrough in life. And so, God, for these next 21 days, give us a sense of conviction. This is not a light thing that we're going to do. It's a thing of conviction. It's not something we're doing just to have a good diet. No, no. This is a dedication to you. This is us seeking you. This is us wanting your help. This is us wanting to see great things. We want to see the miraculous, God. We want to see you move in our lives. God, that's my desire. And as a church, I pray that's our desire. God, help us to see you move in our church. Father, we thank you and we pray for these things in Jesus' name. And we all said amen. amen. Can you give the Lord a big hand clap this morning? Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings Podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.